You are listening to WRIRLP 97.3 FM, and this is Open Source RVA. On the January 17th edition of Richmond's Audio News Digest, we'll talk with Justino Riccio and Marlise Rose Simmons of BioRepo about the Richmond-based salsa band's 22-year musical journey, which includes a brand new album and a monthly concert series at the Camel. But first, here are some of the top stories making headlines right now. For Richmond Public Media, I'm Cameron Vigliano. A recent chemical spill in West Virginia that left hundreds of thousands of people without a safe or reliable water supply has Richmonders asking questions about recent groundwater contamination in nearby Sandston, Virginia. Anafrio Castilla has more. Last week it was reported that the Environmental Protection Agency was, in coordination with the Department of Environmental Quality, investigating the presence of tetrachlorothene in an area encompassing 15 to 20 homes in Sandston, Virginia, just east of Sandston Elementary School. Tetrachlorothene, an industrial chemical most widely used for the dry cleaning of fabrics, was found in the ground at a presence of 18,700 parts per billion parts of water, where the maximum safe level is 5 parts per billion. Long-term exposure to the chemical has been linked to the development of cancer. The area affected is in the EPA Mid-Atlantic Region, or Region 3, which encompasses all of Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, and the District of Columbia, and has lately been primarily concerned with the crisis in West Virginia. Bonnie Smith, a spokeswoman for Region 3, said that the drinking water in the area was not affected by the contamination and that the EPA released flyers asking anyone with a well in the study area to contact the EPA to have their water tested. Smith says no responses to the EPA's flyers have been received, and this, in conjunction with a door-to-door survey conducted by the EPA, has led to the belief that there are no drinking wells within the study area. She does say, however, that the EPA is still awaiting possible responses and cannot yet be sure that there are no drinking wells within the study area. Bill Hayden, a spokesman for the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality, said that over the weekend a state lab conducted tests of water from two drinking wells 1,000 feet outside of the study area. In one, contamination was not present, and in the other, contamination was found to be present, but at a safe level. When asked about how the contamination was found, Smith told Richmond Public Media that a private contractor in Sandston, in preparation for a private development, took a sample and, upon finding high chemical levels, notified the Department of Environmental Quality, who then got the EPA involved because of their greater resources and ability to conduct investigations. Despite the testing, which has proven well water in the immediate vicinity to be safe, Smith says that the investigation is in its preliminary stages. The next steps are to determine if there has been any vapor intrusion, a process by which chemical vapor escapes the ground and can contaminate living spaces and public facilities, and of course, to find the origin of the contamination. No information concerning the source of the contamination has been determined, nor has the cause of its presence in the ground at such high levels, or the length of time which it has been and may yet be present. For Richmond Public Media, I'm Onofrio Castilla. The Richmond City Council voted Monday to go ahead with acquiring the land the diamond sits on from the Richmond Metropolitan Authority, despite oppositional outcry from many citizens who oppose baseball in Shaco Bottom. With the land now to be owned by the city and not shared with the surrounding counties, one councilman is skeptical, 5th District Councilman Parker Ajalasto. But Ajalasto did say he thought the land transfer would be beneficial to the city, citing the city's plan to redevelop the area of the boulevard the diamond is currently at. The demolition of the diamond also will have to be covered by the city, with an estimated cost of a million dollars. 
Third District Richmond School Board member Jeff Bourne now has more work on his plate, as he was appointed to be Deputy Attorney General for Transportation, Real Estate, Land Use, and Construction Litigation under the new Attorney General, Mark Herring. The former school board chair will still remain on the school board. For Richmond Public Media, I'm Cameron Vigliano. The band Bioritmo has managed to do many things in its 22-plus year career. For one thing, it's helped to make Richmond, Virginia an unlikely hotbed for salsa music. Salsa brings together many different elements, African beats, Latino melodies, Caribbean stylings. But this group, inspired by the supercharged salsa sounds of the 70s, has also added their own special touches of rock, big band horns, samba, and electronic music. The results have been consistently infectious and danceable, as well as musically complex and cerebral. The 10-member rhythm machine has also served as an ambassador for not only the music, but the city, performing on stages throughout the U.S. and Europe, not to mention Puerto Rico, Canada, and the Republic of Georgia. Bioritmo has a new single just out, Se Le Ovido, as well as an upcoming album on Vampasol Records. The ensemble's last disc, La Verdad from 2011, won national press raves and was considered by many their finest work to date. They'll take the stage tonight, January 17, for their regular monthly show at the Camel Nightclub. And Open Source RVA is proud to welcome two of the key members of Bioritmo, percussionist Justino Riccio, a founding member of the group, and Marlise Rose Simmons, the band's pianist and arranger. Welcome, you guys. Hi. Hello. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Uh, I didn't know I had a choice. <laughs> no, you had to. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, tell me about the new album. Uh, it was recorded, uh, I believe, with uh, Lance Kohler at Minimum Wage. Uh, tell us when that will be coming out. That's your Oh, well, yes, yeah, help. We're not exactly sure when it'll be coming out, but definitely in the next few months. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, this will be coming out on a label called Vampisol, which is out of, uh, based out of uh, Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been around many, many years. They and do a lot of reissues, don't they? They do a lot of reissues, and they, they do a, a small amount of, of new, newer bands as well. And um, we're just, you know, there's, this is one of the labels I've always uh, looked to for, you know, cool sounds. So mm-hmm. I'm really... I know we're all really honored to be part of, of their catalog um, for the right. future. Right, and you all have already put out some things on Vampasol, some 45s? Uh, yes, we were included in a um, series that's called Sayoko, um, which features a lot of older Puerto Rican music, and they did their first 45, and it was a split with us and a band out of Puerto Rico called Orquesta Magabeo, um, and they included a song that called Carnaval by Cortijo, 
and that was uh, released last year um, as a 45, a limited edition 45. Mm -hmm. You guys have been around for a long time. Uh, uh, how do you keep it fresh? Because you know what? I, I, I don't think I've heard a bad record from you guys. It seems like you guys are always uh, consistent and also exploring, always exploring. We are well, we are explorers, you could say, huh? Uh, yeah, I think you'd say that. <laughs> not always, uh, it's not always intentional, but we we often get lost and we need to explore to find our way home. Right, right. That's a good way but, to say it. Yeah, and I like the Caribbean stylings phrase. I think that should be the name of the new album. Ooh, or the new Jimmy Buffett album. <laughs> no, Either I one. I like it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it se it seems like you guys are. Um, always taking the music to a new place, uh, never really staying still. But what's interesting is you also get away with having these live shows that are uh, completely danceable, completely, uh, people just seem to take over. <laughs> the music seems to take people over. Well, it's taking us over. That's why we're still here. Yeah, it's um, pretty much a, we're pretty much, this is, it's, we're, we've been doing this so long. I think the band together, the current members as it is, is basically been like this for 12 years uh, a couple of member changes here and there but uh, basically you, you can't get tighter than this family of brothers and, and me we and like to sister. consider ourselves dysfunctionally tight yes dysfunctionally tight and uh, it works and sometimes it might not work but nobody really knows I think it's always working yeah we rely on, on our <laughs> audiences not knowing exactly what we're supposed to sound like, <laughs> and then we can play it off. Right, right. Well, um, that's why we don't do the same thing twice because we can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, it seems like a, a lot of the group, a lot of the group members, came out of the rock and, and even punk scene. Uh, talk about that and how that might still infuse the music today. Yeah, Justino was um, a really insane, crazy punk rock drummer. Is that is that how uh, it insane goes? and crazy? I, th those two uh, words still haunt me. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. when I'm introduced to people, insane and crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I did play hardcore and punk styles, mm -hmm. and then there was Jimmy T, who was in the Alternatives, and he was actually the first uh, drummer for Guar. Right. Okay. And uh, you know, Ray's coming from a similar background, and he played reggae for years. Uh, oh, that's before, right. And, he was in like a ska band, wasn't he, he? He played with Jive Farmer. I think they did a lot of dub yes, stuff. Yes. And Jorge was, you know, always into salsa, but he had, you know, Jorge, for instance, uh, I remember some of the first songs we were playing, we played a couple of Tom Waits songs, and we had Jockey Full of Bourbon, and, you know, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there were a lot of influences right. early on. Did the band kind of start with uh, Ray, Ray Alvarez, and, uh, and, and Jorge uh, Negron? I uh, think it technically was Jim Thompson and Jorge, gotcha. but Ray was, you know, they were all friends, and Ray came on board probably... Pretty much immediately. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, as far as like talking about it and the idea may have originally been Jorge's and Jim's. Mm -hmm. And then you said uh, earlier you came along like a year later. After I came they along, first yeah. Up. Actually um, to take Ray's place when he quit uh -oh. to move to New York. And he Ray was the original timbali player, which is what I play now. Uh -huh. And he, uh, he wasn't singing at the time. And he was moving to New York to pursue his um, painting career, art. And... Uh, so I, they asked me, uh, it's a long story, but I, I joined to take his place. And then I guess Ray came back like a year later or so. Yeah. Uh, and, and was forced to sing. Yeah, I wasn't giving up not... the timbales, no. <laughs> but that's a good thing, right? I mean, he's, a, he's really He's great. Good. I think really it was great just another, he's great, but another he's talent. He likes his. to deny it. 
because he always says he wasn't intent trying to be a singer and mm-hmm. it just kind of happened. Right. So it, it happened. He was forced to sing. And now he's That's going to be the name of his, uh, <laughs> autobiography, his biography, <laughs> Forced to Sing. Uh, talk about uh, how uh, the experience of seeing Biorhythmo in those very early days might differ from uh, how the band is now. Or was it pretty much fully formed at that point? No, not at all. It was, it was fully unformed. And uh, it was chaos, like right after the Big Bang, I'd say, the Big Bang of Biorhythmo. I remember seeing the band before I was in the band hmm. play at the Science Museum. That was, and it wasn't the first Science muse- Museum gigs. That's actually their first gig was at the Science Museum. Wow. But I think I saw the second one, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I think even at the time I was like, they could use a little, little work, you know. But mm-hmm. um, was it looked upon as a novelty? I think so. It wasn't salsa at the time, you know, because it was really percussion. Mm-hmm. Really, all percussion and uh, singing. And for instance, Eric Bennett, who's a, still a good friend of ours, uh, was playing saxophone. Uh, but there was no piano and, and early on no bass. So mm-hmm. it really couldn't be considered a salsa band. Yeah. Although I think the, the main interest of most of the players was salsa, you know, as far as what we were, would eventually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, I think the thing about Bioritmo then and now that has never changed is that we have an energy that even we can't explain. Mm-hmm. And Jorge used to say years ago that, you know, Bioritmo, it do, it's not about us. It's not about the individual players. The band will continue on, you know, indefinitely, yeah. whether or not any of us are in a band. And to some degree, that, that, that's already true. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the, there's only one or two of us that were there towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. And yet the same energy is there, you know, so that's really right. a great thing about it. Right. Well, um, you know, I... Um, I saw uh, you guys early uh, and was a big fan early, and I, uh, we used to go see you at, the, uh, at Tracks in Charlottesville. Oh, yeah. And people went crazy for you guys. It was almost like an event when Bioritmo came to town. I'm wondering, was that the exception, or were there other clubs around Virginia or in Richmond that were also uh, sort of latching on to you guys, and uh, you, you were maybe building your crowd? Were there other places? Yeah, there were, um, not necessarily just around here, but, uh, you know, early on, for some reason, we started touring mainly down south. So, I, you know, I can recall playing a lot in Chapel Hill and even down in south, you know, going down to uh, Charleston, uh, Savannah, some of our earliest gigs at the Velvet Elvis in Savannah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and none of those places... I don't think any of them ever had a salsa band Yeah, they were the rock venues. For yeah, and so... You know, I like to think that we may have opened the door to other bands playing those types of clubs. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the people that heard us there, whether, you know, it may have been accidental, but I think, for instance, we were in, a, I remember being advertised, showing up to a, one of the clubs, and on the billboard it said, Live Reggae by Remo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I don't even think they knew what they were getting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but people liked it. And so, you know, Live and they reggae. would buy the CDs, and, you know, maybe that was the first salsa CD they ever listened to. So, yeah. That, well, I was, cool. I was going to say, y'all were kind of a gateway to me. Um, I wasn't familiar with salsa music all that much. Listened to a lot of your stuff, and that led me to Celia Cruz and the Fania All-Stars mm-hmm. and, and, and other uh, types of music. What would you say the band's main influence has been? Uh, either another artist or... Marley Simmons. No, I'm kidding. 
what? our main influence, <laughs> whether we like it or not. No, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask uh, her uh, about uh, when she came in because it seemed like it did it did kick the oh, band. Oh yeah, she's definitely had gear. an influence. I like to kick. She's a but kicker. you came in in 2002. Yes, around September 2002. Yep. And um, we were floundering at that point. They had kind of broken up, right? A little bit. Yeah, we didn't officially break up, but I don't know if we can get into was this the details. When, was this yeah. when Jorge left, or was this Well, this is at, well after, and then um, after Jorge left, we went through a period where we had uh, Rene Herrera as mm. our lead singer, mm-hmm. uh, a Cuban gentleman, and um, and our style, that's the, the, the greatest departure within the history of the band. Was That was when Roomba Baby Roomba was right, recorded. Right, right. And that's, that was a stylistically very different from anything before or after mm-hmm. and you know we it's a com- problem record yeah it was say. it was uh it was you know our big it was on mercury records mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so we had to go through the big i don't think this happens anymore because there aren't any real record major, labels yeah. yeah but you know we had to really go through a lot to get even what we wanted on that album you know it's one of those compromises no i really like that record but do y'all consider yeah. that a compromise record do you consider it something where you really weren't yourselves yeah, essentially. I mean, there are aspects of that record I really like, too. And it was a learning experience, I can mm-hmm. say that much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we did have to do things we didn't feel comfortable doing. <laughs> okay. You know, but that's behind us. And um, so that had, we had recorded that, and we were in the process of recording a follow-up when Mercury went out of business. You know, they mm-hmm. were taken over by Universal, so there wasn't any label f- for to put the record out. Mm-hmm. And... What happened was Renee left the band. A few other key members left the band with him. And uh, two or three of us decided to keep the name because there was a question, actually, of some other people taking the name for a while and mm. turning it into something else. Right. Even though we weren't playing f- at the moment, we said we're going to keep the name and make sure that we continue this tradition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Luckily, that's when Marlise came in, Ray came back, because right. Ray had been gone for a while. Mm-hmm. And we were able to essentially start over. Gotcha. But well, the band uh, never actually broke up. I mean, we were still right. there doing nothing. I was going <laughs> to ask that because there were some there were some places along the way where you almost did, Oh, right? yeah. I mean, it might happen again. But, that, I mean, <laughs> we'll still be here. Well, you come, uh, Marlies, you come from a classical background. Is that right? Yes. I grew up, um, my mom put me in piano lessons when I was you know, five and a half, six years old. I studied classical through uh, through my 20s, really. I got ended up getting a degree in classical piano. Um, and towards the end of my college career is when I kind of, you know, was like, oh, wait a minute, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I mm-hmm. started to venture off into to playing other things at that point. Um, but it was a big change for me because, yes, I did I did study classical for like 20 years and how, did, and how did you connect with uh with bioritmo how, how did you get involved with them um well i was it's a long story but i was living in dc uh I've, that's where i'm from i have went to maryland university of maryland i was living in dc i started playing in salsa a salsa band up in dc and that was my the first salsa band i played in dc i was also doing a lot of brazilian music that was mm-hmm. like my first love and um, I was really obsessed with Brazilian music. And I, uh, so then what happened was the band I was playing with in DC um, inspired me. And I really got into salsa music. And they were doing old Puerto Rican classics. So, and I got really excited. And what happened. They have happen- quite a scene in DC, don't they? The There's folk- a lot more salsa bands. Yeah. But they, but none of them, they all do covers. And so um. I was getting, 
I started to get kind of bored. Well, I got really excited, and I started to write little jams and songs and mm-hmm. present them to um, to my to the leader, and they were just like, whatever. What are you doing? Yeah, what New are you doing? songs. They didn't want to do anything new. They didn't want to improvise or anything. So I, was, uh, I had this big grand plan to, to move to Cuba. And at the last mm-hmm. uh, minute, I got a call to um, come down here and sub for Bayaritmo. It was a connection through someone in D.C. because the pianist, temp- pianist at the time was from Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. and they knew me. Mm-hmm. And uh, got the call, and I had no idea what to expect. And um, I remember thinking, really? Mm-hmm. I, I lived in D.C. my whole life. I've never been to Richmond, or maybe once. Mm-hmm. I came to VCU to visit a friend. And, yeah, I kind of had an attitude about it. Like, what kind of salsa band can be out of Richmond, yeah. Virginia, you know? Which is the, this, which, you know, now that's the attitude I try to fight away from everyone else having. But that was the, you know, I, can, I understood the attitude. So uh, I showed up and met these guys and was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. and intrigued mm-hmm. and eventually moved here for the band. That's the last the time band. she was pleasantly surprised <laughs> by us. <laughs> well, I was uh, surprised in many ways and then... Intrigued enough and excited enough, you know, to, uh, you know, they're all about writing music, which was the opposite um, agenda f- for any salsa band I had ever met. And mm-hmm. that was kind of like, and that's it. I wanted to create, and that's what I they wa- wanted I to wanted do. to ask you about that, how uh, if you play with other salsa bands when you're out on tour and what the reaction is, because it is quite so obvious that you're doing an original take on something that most bands are keen to just live off the the nostalgia. Uh, does that create tension? Do they like it? Well, um, essentially, and, you know, when, we, when we've, any big festivals we've played where there are other salsa bands, those salsa bands are salsa bands playing their own music as well. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, there's a few out there. Yeah, there are a few. And, and mainly, you know, we haven't teamed up that much with salsa bands in the U.S. at all. Hmm. Uh, mainly our experience, at least mine, has been, or unless we've opened for like Sonora Ponceña in Central Park, you know we've we've got to play with a lot of legends, and of course those guys are they've created the music that every other salsa band yeah, is covering. covering. Um, we don't we cover you know we have a, a few covers we do at least one cover per release, um, but um, but we haven't with any other band we've played with if it there's it's going to be a festival that hires band that does their own thing anyway so we haven't mm-hmm. really had that. It, Really yeah, and the other thing weird. is, you know, most bands, most salsa cover bands, of which there are many, intentionally cover the hits. Anytime we do a cover, we make it a point to pick something obscure yeah. so that we can tell people that it's ours. No, but really, just <laughs> just because it's the stuff we like. Right. And the other thing I wanted to say regarding what you asked is that I find that when we do play with other salsa bands, even cover bands, the musicians get it. So the other bands usually tell us, hey, it's awesome that you're playing your own stuff. And you know what I mean? If anything, there's a little more tension with the dancers only because the dancers want to hear the songs they know. Yes, okay. More than the musicians. I think most other musicians... Salsa dancers, that is. Not just just, normal people dancing. No, no, I'm talking about the strict... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Salsa traditional dancers. And you you guys don't make that a part of your show. Uh, These are people that just show up, right? Yeah, no, yeah, they they show up uninvited. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, they're yeah, you know, everyone's welcome. But yeah, they come to dance, and that's great. And it's always nice mm-hmm. to have people that know what they're doing. Yeah, as far as you know the traditional steps, and we welcome that and encourage it. But we don't want other people to feel like it's a 
necessary. They have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of great dancers really love the music we play, but they there's a lot of people that just really want to request the songs that they just heard last night that the DJ played, and yeah. we're not going to really do that. Yeah, that's when I feel like kicking. Yeah, she kicks. <laughs> well, so, uh, salsa music, uh, uh, you know, I, I tried to do a, a little definition of it. Uh, uh, what's the definition to you, and do you really emulate the Fania bands of the, the um, 70s? Well, I think I might kind of answer this question. It's interesting because a lot of, of course, I think that that's our I mean, I can hear it. main inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's interesting to me how, and I, 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 I like that a lot of people call us experimental or that we use synth sounds or we use weird sounds or put weird rhythms. Mm-hmm. And... That's we do that because it's just that's what we do. We love it. Um, and it's funny though. Um, a lot of, of times, people say, "Wow, you know, no one ever did that before," or it's unique. But in reality, I don't. I've a lot of the music, and I, I'm lucky because Ray and Justin have such an awesome collection. And it's not really like that. There is a lot of stuff from the '70s or '60s, or late '60s that had crazy sense some pretty wiggy stuff and some yeah. going into all kinds of different rhythms mm-hmm. and 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 stuff like that or just wacko tempos you know and and so that's we i think you know you could say are really like that uh, not necessarily on purpose just because we are doing experimental things quote mm-hmm. unquote experimental but that was they were doing that i mean that was already that's part of natural it. Mm-hmm. that's natural you know it's um, been lost, though. Um, it it we got really lost. That's the thing, and that's the thing, because like so many salsa bands covered the hits, and the hits were the ones that weren't as weird or obscure mm-hmm. or different. The rhythms, you know, dancers don't like the rhythm changes as much, so it all started to sound the same. So yes, we are definitely like that. In but even with with just the real spirit, you could say. Um, yeah. Right, right. The, the energy. In 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 the experimental aspect of it but where i don't you know it's it's i i just don't like that i want people to know that that did happen you know and there's and mm-hmm. it's just really obs- more obscure or harder to find i mean now with the internet it's easier to find but yeah talk about some of the artists that did influence you some of the salsa artists or uh, any artists in general uh, uh, mm-hmm. what does the band listen to on the on the bus oh <laughs> well we'll tell you when we get a bus but <laughs> in the van or in our cars um well, we don't listen to a lot of salsa, uh, uh, you know, as a rule. I mean, we do occasionally still. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Lately, we have, uh, when we're on our longer tours, um, we listen to a lot of stuff that Eddie's writing. You know, Eddie always makes sure to bring a couple of his new songs to test out with us. It's <laughs> always fun. Oh, my God. Yeah. We always say it's horrible and he should give it up. No, I'm kidding. It's great. But, um I don't know. Like, let's talk about salsa first of all. Like, we we listen to p- artists like Roberto Roena and um, uh, Sonora Ponceña and who else? That's it. No, a lot of plenty of bands. Ray Barreto. Yeah, Ray Barreto's always there. But there's so much obscure stuff that we may, you know, um, Marvin Santiago and different uh, different older acts that, and we try to find the things that we haven't heard we search that stuff out 
you know, there's always a little bit of jazz. We we let the horn players put a little bit of jazz on here and there. <laughs> horn players and their jazz. I remember that we used to listen to a lot of Stereo Lab back in the day Ooh, when we yeah. were on the road. I still listen. I could to see. Yeah, I, mean, I, I could actually hear a little bit of that. Oh, it's, a, it's actually they're an influence. They're definitely Huge. an influence on my writing. My writing. Hey, my writing. Oh, too. sorry. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, definitely. Well, lately, a- lately, it's been a lot of. Uh, Greek and Middle Eastern. Oh, that's true. Music, I'm sorry. Everything. I forgot about that part. How could you forget? Oh, yeah. That's the song we we sang. love, yeah. I'm a big, big fan of Middle Eastern, particularly Egyptian music from, you know, older mm-hmm. stuff from mm-hmm. the 60s, 70s. Turkish um, stuff. Turkish stuff is great. I think yeah. that's always kind I'm of like I'm sorry. A, I totally we, forgot that we, we were in You have something that reflects this on the new album? Yes, and that's what I just, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I gave the that. Song the song Kodeina. Yes, and the song that we, uh, Justin, had the idea for and... Um, we uh, made it happen. It's a mm-hmm. really interesting song. We got the string players from town mm-hmm. to play on on the Alan album. Alan Cockerham and yes, some others. And the it's a crazy song. Um, I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see, you know, what people will because it it's not. I mean, it's got a tumbao. It's it's got a um, you know mm-hmm. the conga in there. So mm-hmm. you you mm-hmm. hear but the. There's not much Latin about it, really. Yeah. Wow. But there is though too. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because we to us it's it's all mixes together. Well, I the think, thing is, our, uh, Abdel Halim Hafez, who for me inspired the idea for that song, mm-hmm. one of my favorite artists, was experimenting with Latin rhythms in Egyptian music, you know, in yeah. the '60s. So yeah. essentially, and synths and weird yeah, synths all that stuff. stuff that we're into. So it's it's one of those things oh, where you neat. can't say who influenced what. It's like you know, he was influenced by Latin stuff. Mm-hmm. We were influenced stew. by him. Yeah, and it all comes back around. So us putting in congas is not that weird because he did it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how does the band come up with its material? Uh, a writer, say, uh, say you, um, Marlies, or, or you, uh, Gustina, uh, will 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 bring a song and then people will work on it. How does it how does it work? Lately, it's it's usually uh, a song idea by either myself, Justino, Toby, the trombonist, Toby Whitaker, or Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray a lot of times has the whole song done. It's done. Every part's done. Uh, he doesn't write music, so then it gets into the, my hands or Toby's hands to arrange it and write it on paper. Mm-hmm. What's um, he humming it to you? Is he? What, he'll what, hum it. Yeah. Yeah, and he gets real mad at me when I uh, don't hear that hum that right. right <laughs> and you're now. like, learn so, music, and then you won't have to deal well, with me. Well, it's a pretty frustrating process, but in the end, everyone's happy. Um, same well, how goes, does he? How does uh, he write? Do it over rhythms, or uh, it seems such complex music you would almost have to to uh, know. Music. Uh. He just hums. Yeah. I mean, Justin does the same thing, so you can ask yeah, him, how do you do that? That's all I know that? how to do is he hum hums. and whistle occasionally. Justin will hum and s- whistle and sing, and uh, we'll write it, me and re- either myself or Toby will write it down. Um, and if I come up with an idea, I usually, none of us usually come up with words, specific words, maybe an idea about lyrics that we want, but Ray always Ray does the lyrics and mm. does his poetic magic, which um, is something I feel like is not many people are, Getting, but his poet, his poetic, his poeticness um, with well, that's another thing about amazing, us actually. that makes us, in my opinion, a real salsa band, maybe more so than some others currently, is that the music's original, but Ray's approach to writing lyrics is very original. And most current bands who are writing their own songs, in my opinion, and most cover bands, what they're covering. Then the, generally the, the, the nature of the lyrics is a little shallow to me. And Ray is writing lyrics about, you know, about 
searching and finding yourself and, you know, mm -hmm. personal lyrics yeah. that you yeah, don't hear personal. a lot in salsa. And I think, and, and that again was something that you did hear a little bit more in the 60s and 70s and you don't hear it anymore. Right. So he's, you know, he, his approach to, that, to the lyrics is uh, unique for today. And, you know. Definitely. And luckily, I think he, we translate a lot of them, like on the, uh, there'll be we some will be we'll, we'll, on we do like a rough to translate them literally then yeah, they would sound sometimes silly. doesn't <laughs> make any sense and it's really ugly so he kind of does a summary of them to right. make sure it's not you know so you get the gist of it but not literally translated yeah so well so, uh, uh, talk a little bit about how you put albums together is is there usually a concept before you go in or you do you mainly just record songs as they come and then compile the rest in uh, at the end of the process. I think with this past album, I was definitely uh, we take our time. There's never really a concept. I've noticed um, that. <laughs> we, um, but this time, we uh, I, w I w at least was trying to get the guys to okay, come on, let's. We had a few songs written. I was like, just need a few more and let's mm -hmm. let's do it. Um, yeah, we don't really uh, have a concept or approach necessarily. It just kind of happens, um, and we don't. Maybe we maybe after a certain amount of songs are like oh let's do let's do a song La Gorisa came up like mm -hmm. well let's make this one a little different um, rhythm mm -hmm. so because all the other ones are the same so we we did stuff like that so and you worked with Lance Kohler on this latest one talk about him now we all know he can record some horns yeah that's and yeah, percussion for that matter I yeah. mean he's really good he's a drummer at yeah, getting, yeah yeah and he get, gets a really good sound. And he's just a really great guy to be around. Are y'all just coming into his studios in your, you know, your bathroom slippers? And pretty much. Yeah. Sleeping on the yep. floor. Dragging everyone out of bed to get there. And yeah, that's the thing with Lance. <laughs> um, he knows us so well. Mm -hmm. Too well. Maybe too well. Yep, knows us too well. It, people, it, it's not good to get too close to Bayerima. <laughs> it's like getting Lance too Riley. close to the sun. <laughs> you might get burned. <laughs> We'll be back in a minute with Bioritmo. Support for WRIR comes from Style Weekly, Richmond's alternative weekly for news, arts, culture, and opinion. This week's edition is now on newsstands and at styleweekly.com. Let's talk about Richmond too. We, you'd mentioned that a little bit. Uh, how is it coming, uh, trying to 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 be a salsa band for 20 years in Richmond, Virginia? Has it helped? Has it hurt? Uh, I noticed that in some of the national uh, write-ups and some of the radio things that you've done, the interviewer is often just really taken aback. Oh my gosh, they come out of Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, that gets old after a while. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I understand why it's a it is novel, but at the same time. There are bands but all could over you have way. done the same thing if you had started in, say, D.C. or Baltimore? I don't Baltimore? think so. No. I think, no. I think Richmond is great because there are so many great musicians. There always have been. Um, each generation here you know, has... There are so many great musicians that have come up in Richmond. 
Some of them stay here and some of them go elsewhere. But I think there's always been um, an eclectic attitude towards what people are willing to listen to here, mm-hmm. more so than in other places. And it also probably didn't hurt us create creatively to not feel the need to play to a specific audience here. You know, we never played to a Latin audience or, or a salsa dancing audience specifically. Mm-hmm. There's always been a lot of great um, Latino fans and, and dancing fans for that matter. But, you know, because we have an eclectic crowd, that kind of allowed us to to not feel hemmed in, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. They were willing to accept more from you. Yeah, definitely. And so that's always been good. And it's cheap here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good place to live. It's, you know, it's, and it's, Manny Mendez. And Manny. Our great and supporter. Manny. Who is the owner of Cuba Cuba? Yes, who yeah. in, in many different ways has helped us and uh, is responsible for Everyone's many life. of us being able to <laughs> survive, get by with, <laughs> with or without music. <laughs> Richmond's been hard. I get, you know, I've been running re- publicity campaigns for the, you know, little publicity campaigns, and the first one, you know, different ones taking an angle like being real, real like, oh, we're from Richmond, you mm-hmm, know, and mm-hmm. getting that reaction, it never fails. Of course, it's like it depends on who the person is, but more than more more so than not, people are like, kind of. Don't get it and want to turn away and not give it a li- not give it a chance. Um, so then, okay, we're not from Richmond, but then it's like we are, and that's what's made this band what it is. And you mentioned like if it could have happened in D.C., no way, you know, yeah. really, okay. no way, because uh, and you know, coming from because they're so into the traditional, the hits. Are, it's not uh, that they are so into the tradition. There's plenty of musicians up there who could, you know, be part of Viarima or could have. It could happen. It's just that I think with like he's saying because the audience Mm -hmm. but also you know down here we're playing music because we we really want to because we want to write a song we're not doing it with any agenda we're not doing with any you know like we need to write a song like this (laughs) yeah we're not making any money so that's it i mean that's really i mean in, now, is that in, because of the nature of the music or because it's difficult to sustain a 10-piece band? Because we're <laughs> musicians, music's rough, then you're, we're 10 people, it's a disaster. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. not, you know, it's in really hard. Well, how, uh, I, uh, he, uh, he told me to ask you this, uh, how do you keep up with the band's schedules? To me, a 10 band, I, you know, when I was in a band, we, you know, four of us couldn't figure it out. How do you get 10 people I on you'd board? Love that question. Oh, you know, um... I, I tend to uh, I I have uh, some notes of people's schedule and uh-huh. get uh, pretty angry when I know things have changed. <laughs> she hires private detectives. I uh, right, can't right. track us down. Find them. Um, I'm not, I don't know. It's just we you know it happens. She she's good at reminding us and I'm she stays she's on top of it. <laughs> When you but, came in the yeah. band, were you almost automatically put in this position of being <laughs> no, a harsh no. task mistress and no, uh, arranger? No, my tendency, I guess, the harsh task mistress. Is that what you called me? Uh, yes, that's what I. I <laughs> harsh. I ref- no, I just didn't. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a I direct quote. No, it. I think I got so really. It's. I mean, I really got so excited to play in this band. Mm-hmm. Uh, what and so my other background is like a little bit of computers. So I remember that was my first task because Biorema website was like mm-hmm. just. A dump, and I was like, "Okay, 
let's get the website going and yeah. let's, you know and it, it's not that I'm that yeah bioremo.com it looks great now actually. yeah she's it's all right well she's talented but um it just kind of I got excited and then just kind of took on this role of doing stuff mm-hmm. uh, I'd really like to find someone else if anyone else <laughs> wants to help manage this band we are open to and it. we're not as lazy as we sound the rest of us. Well, I'm just saying she that. She just does such a good job. There's no need for yeah, you to no, lift a finger. It's so. nice. I, I lift a finger. <laughs> We're like nine kept men. <laughs> talk Is a little, it nine now? Yeah. Okay. Talk a little bit about y'all's travels and where you've performed. Uh, have Has it always been uh, enthusiastic audiences? Or can you remember some shows where people are like, what are they doing? Yeah, I remember in Portland, Maine. It wasn't that they didn't like it, but the two people that were there seemed to like it. And I remember after every song, there was... Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's worse that, than no and I clapping think at all. Those two people eventually did leave before we were done. Like I remember, we turned to each other and said, "As long as they don't leave, we're okay." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like before the end of the show, they left. Right, right. So that, How do you keep up playing. the energy when the crowd is that anemic? How do you keep that in, that bio energy? That's where up? the booze comes in. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I would have to admit that. As well. It does. Help. I'm gonna start giving you rim shots. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, though. Um, I just put my week. head down. I don't look. It's easy for me. I just don't look, close my eyes, and turn away. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that you don't. I don't like to look up. Look often. No. But let's talk about the attention. positive experience. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Kidding. Um, Republic of Georgia. Yeah, that was great. And I wanted to say that 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 enables me to mention something else regarding an earlier question. When we were in France, we were adver- I mean, we had great a uh, great. We always have great shows there, uh, and we. You've been you've reception. been over there how many times? Three times now. Three, wow. Okay. Three times. Yeah. yeah. Is there a reason? Is there a French love for salsa that we, which is they're a passionate just, music? Well, they also love Jerry Lewis. Wow. Well, so you put the two together. <laughs> no, they. Uh, no, they're great, and they do appreciate. I think they, more so than some other people, do appreciate the artistic side of what we're trying to do. You know, like they don't necessarily want to hear the classics mm-hmm. okay. they're into the fact that we're doing our own thing maybe yeah, more so really than other excited. places yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. and but i love the fact that when we play in places like that we're usually advertised as being either from new york city yeah or puerto rico so it'll say like by ritmo direct from puerto rico or new york city huh. and i think it's just Richmond. easier yeah. for them They'd have to explain it's where Richmond, Virginia is. Right, maybe. and it's easier yeah. to sell, and people may think it's more authentic that way. Mm-hmm. But I love that Ray, I don't know if it's intentional, because he does this anyway, but he always makes it a point to say, like, you know, hey, from Richmond, Virginia, y'all. You know, like, <laughs> so it's not like we're with hiding my, it. With my know? iced tea. Yeah, yeah, How and he's fond of tea? advertising that he's drinking iced tea on stage. Of course he's not, but. How about um, around the U.S.? Uh, where, where are some of the places y'all have gone over really well? Well, a very memorable show was, I don't know what year it was, it's been so many years, was Central Park yeah. for a summer stage when we opened for Sonora Ponceña, which is, you know, mm-hmm. the one of the big ones. Biz- biggest, biggest, you know, legendary for us, you right. know, that but was for many show. people. Um, I remember the audience, we were we were nervous, actually. I think that. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you would have maybe had more critical ears. Who we were did. Maybe more. There were a lot of players there. Like you know, when when Sonora mm-hmm. Ponceña plays in New York, all the best players come out to hear him. Uh-huh. You know, so we. There was were, a lot of people with, uh, you know, New Yorkans. You could say in the audience, older crowd, mm-hmm. and they were standing Discerning. there with their very concerned looks and uh, their arms crossed. They were concerned. And for even us. after it, through the set, they just. 
I mean, people started to dance, but a lot of people just really a lot of people left. staring. No, I'm just no. kidding, they didn't. And uh, it was, it was, you know, it was. <laughs> but they loved it. But Is that what then you're afterwards, the same people standing there rushed to the side of the stage to tell us mm-hmm. beautiful things. Yeah, it turned out they were actually listening. Yeah, That's they why were they weren't really dancing all of them. It wasn't hard. that they were hating. I always kind of had that problems at a Bayaritmo show. I want to dance, but I also want to just listen. Yeah, you know. That's a good uh, problem, I think. That is yeah, a, we, a we, we definitely appreciate both of those things. Uh, talk a little bit about y'all's, uh, I guess we can call it a residency at the Camel. Uh, you're doing uh, monthly shows there? Yeah. Uh, how did that come about? Was it just uh, you That's connected with Rand Burgess over there? Or? Rand is great. Camel's great. Uh, that's the, you know, that's the place to play in Richmond. Yeah. It's got a, the sound has come a long ways. It sounds really great in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, that's the big problem. We're we're a big band, and so um, you know, that's a that's an obvious place for us to play a monthly show. And then you'll be in there again on Monday. I will. Because uh, your your band Miramar is playing. The other band, which is kind of a uh, extension of Bayaritmo with uh, Miramar, just Latin boleros. Yep. Mm-hmm. That'll be great with the Richmanian Ramblers. With the Richmanian Ramblers. Yeah. Well, talk about the the side bands because you know I've liked an awful lot of Bayaritmo's uh, you know extracurricular activities over the years. Man, there's so many side bands. There's a lot. Um, Christina, you had uh, Fuzzy Baby. Yes, that and, was. And uh, you're in. You were telling me you're in the Garbers. Yep. Uh, um, and uh, was playing with Blasco and Malombre for a while. We may do some things again, Frederick Blasco. And then uh, Eddie, is it Eddie who's got Amazing Ghost? Yep, and then Big Eddie East. Eddie P and the Big East. Now it's Eddie P and the Big East. Maybe Eddie's now it's just Eddie P. I think it's Eddie P. I mean, he's still playing with the same people. Right, right. Eddie, Eddie's always writing music. I was mentioning he's that he's retooling prolific. a lot of his older songs as cumbias now, I think. Yes. And <laughs> Including the, the VCU song? Yeah, oh, probably. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. And, and then, then uh, and then you have Osmogrelos. I have a Osmogrelos is um was, I always have Brazilian project going. I mean, I ha- we haven't played in like a few years, but it's a recording project you could say and mm-hmm. um I work with Laura Ann Singh who is of Quaternabosa on a lot of the Brazilian stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and Miramar, uh, Latin Boleros and uh Bob Miller our trumpet player is probably in a million bands in yeah. Richmond most recently. Uh, Fear of Music, which is a Talking mm-hmm. Heads cover mm-hmm. band. He's playing all synths in that band. And uh, he plays with Matt White. He plays with... Uh, he's, I, I, yeah, y'all like, share a member uh, with no, no BS Brass Band, correct? Toby. Or a couple. Does Toby play with No BS now? No. No? No. He's fired. We used, they used to, He's fired. <laughs> <laughs> no BS. Mark no. Ingraham. Don't used, forget about Mark's band. No, no. I was going to say okay. Mark. Mark. Mark Ingraham also plays with a million bands in town. Um, and he's the other trumpet player. And they, I think everybody used, those guys at one point played with no BS in the very beginning, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't know. They don't, they're uh, not in them anymore. The, uh, the sideband thing, I'm just wondering, is that the scene in the overall Bioritmo family, is it seen as more of a, a distraction away uh, from the main thing? Or is it something that members ha- kind of have to do to sort of sow they, their wild oats or bring new ideas into the, into the family? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's how, a how is it seen? No, yeah, it's natural. It's it's where everyone's got their own interest in other music, not just salsa. So um, it's great. You know, it's just part of living in Richmond and having the opportunity to play in other types of 
of music. Yeah, definitely. And the cool sure. thing is, like, all these other bands are so awesome, and they're all original. <laughs> and that's what I was coming from D.C. I don't know. It's been a while since I lived in D.C. But, you know, that's what I feel like. Richmond has so much of that. Everyone is doing something really trying to do something original mm -hmm. and that's what makes it so great and you know actually mean something you know it's right and people actually listen too. and people actually listen yeah yeah so where are we going from here guys where's Bioritmo go with the the new album are you planning a tour or uh what's uh, w w what's in the future well we're broke so <laughs> i don't know <laughs> what else is new waiting for uh, some big licensing deal to come through one day uh but uh, I don't. I th I think we're we're pretty much just releasing this album. Hopefully, some shows. You know, there's big talk of going to Colombia. Hmm? We have Colombia is <laughs> people of Colombia. That's kind of the home base. We're big of in Colombia. Home base of salsa music. Really? Is how, how did that happen? Had you played I mean, there before? Well, no, but no. that's that's been going on for since the '70s. Colombians have been obsessed with salsa. Gotcha. Um, it's actually, I think, a problem. Like, they're really... Yeah, it's, it's a, a problem it's for a, them. It's a problem for them. There's going to be a salsa riot. Um, yeah, I think hopefully. there already has been, probably. I mean, so... If apparently they're also getting really into vinyl. Yes, they are. I mean, are. like, they're vinyl collectors, big mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Will this new, uh, new CD be out on vinyl yes, as well? Yes, yes. Good, definitely. okay. So in Colombia, there is a content... There's a group of Colombians that are uh, big, huge Bayaritmo fans, and we've heard it. Our, our Congo player just went to Colombia to play with another band. Oh, that's right, Hector. Coco. Hector, don't forget we should Hector. Mention Coco Barez, who recently, one of our newer members the last few years, who tours with you know world class Latin alt bands. He was with Calle Trece, now he's with Don Omar, and he's a, he was a great big addition. He and we found out about him through Jorge because he was friends with Jorge mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico. Anyways, he was just in Colombia, and, and said it was pretty scary uh, how much they love Bayaritmo down there. He walked into some wow. bar and our picture was on the wall and oh. there's a bar that outside of Cali that's been that was named after our one of our songs a song Toby wrote called La Muralla mm -hmm. um, and they have a picture of Ray and, and they I have the, a, the, the logo of the club is a picture of Ray and Justin um, wow. I'm not kidding and <laughs> it's kind of crazy <laughs> and inside the club yeah. is a giant poster of Ray like Next larger to, than life. Yeah, larger than life. Oh my gosh! Poster of Ray. At least this is we, his ego must be out of bounds <laughs> uh, right now. <laughs> he hates it. So, we've had a few promoters down there approach us about bringing us. Uh -huh. um, the time is right. So we're waiting for them to show us the money. But the money's not to make it happen. Sure. Um, because uh, we yeah, there's can't a, there probably some visa problems with uh, going to Colombia. There could be. Yeah, right? we right. need to make sure we're compensated for that work. <laughs> 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 so that might be the. That's uh, going there would be the next. Aren't there a bunch step. of like boot, like Hector said there yeah. were people wearing Bioritmo T-shirts that they made for them. Like yeah, they make their own T-shirts oh, and wow. they print their own CDs and they've just they release stuff. I mean, in a way you're angry because you're not well, getting yeah, the money, but nice. in another way it's like it's man, nice they bootleg our T-shirts. There's no stopping it. Uh, Colombia and hopefully also Puerto Rico. Hopefully we get to go back to Puerto Rico this year. Yeah, we'll we've see. been there a few times. It's, been it's a, always fun. That was another highlight in the past. 10 years of mine to play in Puerto Rico. Great. And like I said, you're playing the camel tonight, and then you'll be back there on the uh, on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Yes. Yes. Well, you're listening to Open Source RVA. I'm Don Harrison, and I've been talking to Marlise Rose Simmons and Gustino Ricci, otherwise known as Justin, of Bioritmo. The 10-member salsa band has a new single out and a new record on the way. 
And the group will be performing live tonight, like I said, at the Camel Nightclub, sharing the stage with the big payback. And they'll be back at the Camel on February 14th. For more information on everything this exceptional band has going on, you can go to their Facebook page or surf their website. Expertly put together by Ms. Simmons at bioritmo.com. Hey, thanks for coming, you guys. This is great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. And that's our show for Friday, January 17, 2014. I'm Don Harrison, and my co-host is Chris Dovey. The Richmond Public Media News Team is Brittany Tracy, Cameron Vigliano, Anafrio Castilla, and Abid Rahman. The show is produced by Jay Westerman and, in absentia, Jesse Johnson. And that man, at the end of the conga line, wearing a lampshade, his back hair matted to his wife-beater t-shirt with glistening sweat, you know him. It's Mike McKenzie. Want to feel the rhythm of the night and the heart of the city at the heat of the moment? We'll log on to rvaopensource.com. That's where you can grab hold of breaking news and podcasts of past open source RVA episodes. Well, our time is up, and we are off. So until next week, thanks for listening to Richmond's Audio News Digest, Open Source RVA. Pero si lo mandan al baño de las damas, tiene dos problemas. O lo mandan.